Hey guys, before we get started with today's show, I just want to let you know uh, we are sponsored. The MGO Fish Podcast is sponsored by My Bookie. That's right, we have our first sponsor. Uh, My Bookie is back with football season. You know, Antonio Brown is now a Raider. He's wearing the right helmet. He's going to play. Andrew Luck is not going to play. Uh, Michigan has a new coach who's going to score us a bunch of points. Uh, and with all of that, one thing that hasn't changed, uh, it's going to be where I'm putting all of my money down for all the games. That's my bookie. Uh, my bookie is the place to bet on football every single weekend. From wagers on college football action to odds on the presidential election, uh, which really caters to my tastes, uh, both of those actually, my bookie truly has something fun for everyone. Uh, my bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. Uh, this year, for example, MyBookie is even having their first ever online handicap super contest where you can win up to $100,000. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share uh, for a shot at the huge cash prize pool. You know, for me, uh, I prefer MyBookie because of the awesome prop bets. Uh, I'm a prop bet guy. And this year, they're even introducing fantasy football prop bets where, uh, get this, guys, you can take a look at how many points in fantasy football players are supposed to score, make a prop bet, are they going to go over or under, and there you go. You win or you, or you don't win, but you know, I'm a winner. We only pick winners here at the MGO Fish Podcast. Uh, so anyways, uh, up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Uh, you get a bonus, uh, and you get a chance to double your first deposit. Uh, use the promo code MGO to activate the offer. Uh, Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code MGO or M-G-O when creating your account to claim the bonus. Uh, bet, win, get paid. MyBookie online. All right, on to my interview today with um, Conference USA uh, beat reporter and also Underdog Dynasty contributor uh, Eric Henry. And it's a good conversation. Here it is. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, guys, today I'm joined by Eric Henry of Underdog Dynasty, a beat writer for FIU. But, you know, obviously we're not playing FIU this weekend. Uh, we're playing Middle Tennessee State. The good thing about Eric is he knows all about Conference USA. He actually does a podcast for SB Nation's Underdog Dynasty uh, that covers Conference USA. He's also got another podcast that covers FIU, FAU, and the entire rivalry down there, the Lane Kiffin uh, who FIU's coach is what, Ron Turner now? Is that? Uh, Butch Davis. Is that but, oh, that's Turner? right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Butch Davis. How, Butch could, Davis yeah, yeah. how could I possibly forget? That is an epic, epic low-key rivalry right there. Exactly. Holy exactly. cow. That is awesome. Okay, so obviously not playing those teams, but you do follow the Conference USA. Um, Eric, before we get started talking about Middle Tennessee State, though, uh, rumor has it you are from Florida, but you spent a lot of time in Chicago recently. Um, so, so you're Florida born, Florida raised, um, but how'd you end up in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. So after I graduated from the self-proclaimed national champion, <laughs> uh, university of central Florida, That's right. uh, just really was kind of looking for a change. I always knew that I wanted to get out of the South for a little bit and love Chicago as a city visited a couple times. My, uh, actually have a twin sister and she was interested in going to grad school as well. So both of us were like, all right, we'll check out Chicago. 
she ended up, uh, ironically, since we're talking about Middle Tennessee State, she actually ended up going to MTSU for grad school, ironically enough. Uh, and I went to uh, Columbia, Chicago, and enjoyed my time there. Chicago is such a beautiful city. I always tell everybody, man, it, you know, five, six months out of the year, it's the most beautiful city in the world. The other five, six months when it's, you know, 10 degrees and the, the wind's hitting you off the lake, uh, I could definitely live without that, but I greatly enjoyed my time in the Midwest. Yeah, so so most Michigan fans, you're from Michigan, obviously. Detroit, I think we claim, but also Chicago, a huge base is from Chicago. Massive, massive base. Uh, but the fun thing always with Southerners is how did you deal with the snow? You like the snow, hate the snow? Where are you at on the 110 scale, man? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the snow wasn't bad. If I would put it on a scale of one to ten, I probably would put it at like a three because we didn't. <laughs> I kind of lucked out, right? So here's the thing: I was there for three years, uh-huh. and I lucked out because I didn't catch, you know, any of the snowstorms or blizzards. I, I, the year I got there, I had just missed one, and then the year I left, one came. So I lucked out there. So honestly, the biggest thing for me, like I said, as a southerner, was. Uh, you know, funny story. I bought all these clothes, man. I bought jackets. Yeah, I, bought I would too. Clothes. I would too. I, I, I bought long johns and all these things. And I was wondering to myself, why am I still cold? And then finally, you know, a native Midwesterner walked up to me and said, hey, it's all about, you know, your head and your hands and, and your feet. You got to keep oh. those things covered. I didn't have a beanie. I didn't have gloves, but I'm walking around with 19 layers of clothing on wondering why I'm still freezing. You know, that, that's a very, very rookie mistake. And if your Twitter profile is any indication, you might be bald. Were you bald at that point as well? Yeah, man. I, 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 Chicago actually was the decision because <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't bring a car up there. And I was like, all right, I'm tired of, you know, taking the bus to go catch the train, to go to the barbershop. You know, I'm just going to save the 20 bucks and shave my head because I was tired of walking around in 20 degrees. Well, if you're not going to wear a beanie and you got a bald head, man, that's bad news. That's real bad news. My dad is bald, and nine months out of the year, he wears a beanie uh, or hat of some kind just to keep his head warm. (laughs) He doesn't. So anyways, I I digress. We're talking about snow. Uh, I just think it's always fun uh, asking Southerners about that. Today we're talking Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Middle Tennessee State is... One of, if not the most consistent G5 programs in the nation, not named Boise State. Um, one thing that amazes me when, when looking into them is Rick Stockstill, the head coach. He's been there. This is his 13th year at Middle Tennessee State. Uh, so, so from a Conference USA perspective, Eric, um, what is their reputation within the conference? Yeah, so... Their reputation really falls along the lines of Rick Stockstill's reputation, which is, you know, a stand-up, honorable, just, you know, lunch pail, consistent guy who's going to come in. You know, you know what you – you don't have to worry about coaching turnover with, with Middle Tennessee State because when it comes to his assistants, when it comes to, uh, you know, the guys on the team, he's a very consistent guy, and that reputation – uh, just plays along with the the rest of the teams in Conference USA. When I had a chance to go to CUSA Media Days uh, about a month and a half ago, one of the coaches who I asked other CUSA coaches about was Rick Stockstill. And the common refrain from them was just consistency. You know, a guy who, st- like I said, stand-up guy, you know what you're going to get. And players respect that. I mean, the, the reputation of the program as a whole is just, you know they're never going to have that wild jump right where they go they go from being a conference contender to being a one or two win team because they're just well coached and i think that starts with rick stock still that's that is amazing they they're super consistent you know looking at the athlon preview magazine 
they had the stat, you know, six, seven, or eight games. Middle Tennessee State has either won six, seven, or eight games in eight of the last nine seasons, uh, which means they're consistent, they're above average, but Rick Stockstill has never won a conference title at Middle Tennessee State, and that's something that blew my mind. Uh, I couldn't believe that that they, they've been so consistent and yet never premier. You know, my experience in the MAC uh, is just so much turnover all the time. However, the only consistent I can think of that's a comparable uh, would be Frank Solage at Ohio. Uh, you, you know, just the consistency, never quite great enough, but always in a bowl game. Um, question, though, Eric, how did Middle Tennessee State end up with spread guru Tony Franklin as their offense coordinator and uh, former Syracuse head coach, former Michigan defense coordinator, uh, Scott Schaefer, as their defensive guy. Those are, those are two pretty loaded coordinators uh, to be at a G5 program. They're just luck of, luck of the straw. They, they pay those guys? What's up there? <laughs> no, that, that, that generally is just luck of the draw. They, they got a beach know, in I, Murfreesboro I don't know about? So. I, I, I can promise you there's not a beef a beach in, in, in Murfreesboro. <laughs> I can promise you that for a fact. No, honestly, it's just luck of the draw. Uh, when you talk about those guys, both of their, their circumstances and their coaching careers, it just kind of led to uh, a circumstance where they said, hey, you know, um, we're going to take a, a coordinator position because a head coaching position isn't exactly in the cards right now. And to bring it back to Rick Stockstill, I think that just goes to his reputation as a guy who people like, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but people genuinely like Rick Stockstill. And why not go, if you're going to take that step back per se, and you're either dismissed from your head coaching position or you're not looking for a head coaching position, why not work for a guy who's wholly respected, who makes work you know, enjoyable and coming in? And he's even said this once again, when I talked to him at CUSA Media Days, he's always said that, hey, uh, I don't want to just you know, shoulder all, all the responsibility on my assistants. If I can give those guys, you know, a day off or a half day or time to go see their families, I'm going to do it because I truly want to, this to be an environment where people love coming to work and the kids love coming to play football. That's amazing. I mean, especially in a profession like college football uh, where head coaches turn over so often and are pretty ornery people in general. Uh, we have our own very ornery person here at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. Um, it's amazing that anyone can stay at one program for as long as Stockstill has been at Middle Tennessee State. Uh, also, of just a side note, I'm amazed that Tony Franklin has never gotten a head coaching job. I looked up his, his resume uh, the other day, and I thought he had. Uh, he's like a super spread guru, has been everywhere. He's off the Mike Leach, how mummy tree. Um, I, think, I think if you ever played NCAA football, the video game, uh, you a video game guy at all, Eric? I absolutely miss okay. NCAA. I wish they'd bring it back. So, so I think what, what messed me up is I'm pretty sure when they had the coaching carousel, Tony Franklin would get a head coaching job like every single year, like every other year in, in the dynasty. Um, and I think that kind of messed with my brain. I just couldn't believe Tony Franklin had never actually gotten a head coaching job at this moment. Schaefer, on the other hand, I think we all remember him at Michigan. Uh, his, the first year of Rich Rod, he was the defense coordinator. Um, did not quite go as planned, uh, to say the least. Okay, moving forward here. With the offense, though, you know, Michigan's biggest weakness and question mark this year is the defensive backfield, the corner, uh, the corner situation we have. Uh, we lost one guy to the NFL uh, in David Long. We've got Levert Hill, who's stepping in, is going to be potentially an All-American, I would imagine, at corner. Uh, but then after that, we really don't have a solid number two or number three guy. 
Tell me Middle Tennessee State is not going to take advantage of, of that the way I, I want them not to. Tell me, tell me it's going to happen. What, what are they going to do on offense there? Well, it's funny you mention that, right? It's not that they're not going to take advantage because of the receivers, because they have talented guys. Ty Lee is on pace to break Middle Tennessee State's all-time record for receptions in a career, and that's coming off of a guy, Richie James, who spent some time with the San Francisco 49ers, who put up some pretty you know, gaudy numbers himself. Uh, Brad Anderson is a player who I like. I had a chance to see him firsthand when Middle Tennessee State came to Miami and played FIU. Unfortunately, his season actually ended at that game at the, at the hands of a broken ankle, but he's a guy who you'll see in the slot, you'll see maybe line up in the backfield a little bit, very versatile player, and uh, C.J. Windham as well. They, they have talented receivers. What may prevent Middle Tennessee State from taking advantage of the, the weaknesses in Michigan's secondary are the quarterback position, and I know that's something you'll probably touch on in a second, so I don't want to, you know, kind of steal your thunder there. Go but... for it, man. Please go for it if you, if you want to. No, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Asher O'Hara should be the starter. And while uh, at, at last check, Rick Stocksell hasn't named a starter, Asher is the guy who, once again, came in when Brent went down at that same FIU game and filled in, went 9 of 20. Uh, let's see if I can remember his stats off the top of my head. So <laughs> during that night, it, it was it was 9, nine of 20 for, I want to say, 111 yards, 115 yards, one one. One interception, didn't throw for a uh, passing touchdown. But what Asher does bring is a dynamic of his legs. He's similar to Brent Stockstill, and then he's going to take off. I remember that night at FIU, he had 20 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. But the major glaring uh, deal with him, and he's actually a kid out of Chicago, out of Chicago suburbs, Rolling Meadows, uh, Illinois, is that he has to improve as a passer. He's just not consistent yet. He's a smaller guy, uh, about 5'11", 6 foot, so kind of similar to uh, the, the size of Brent Stockstill. Like I said, can definitely use his legs to move the pocket and extend plays. Uh, not afraid to put his head down. I mean, we saw him take on linebackers last year, but he just has to develop as a passer. Uh, if it is Asher O'Hara, behind him, you have a Juco guy in Randall Johnson, who uh, was one of the top Juco talents. Uh, and he's while he hasn't necessarily won the job, I think there's a possibility you might see him. The To be honest with you, I think the reason why he... And this isn't a slight on Asher. I think the reason why Coach Stockstill hasn't necessarily turned the keys to him over just yet is because of Middle Tennessee State schedule right out of the gate. You know, they have Michigan, they have Iowa, and they have Duke. You know, so they got three out of their first four games of Power Five opponents. So I think just for that alone, it might be the safe pick to play the guy who's been in the system a year uh, uh, in, in Asher O'Hara. But yeah, to back to your original question, if. Michigan secondary doesn't get picked on. It's not going to be because the receivers aren't talented. It's going to be because Asher isn't necessarily adept as a passer just yet. I I like the way that sounds, Eric Asher. Because honestly, oh Eric, I mean, because uh, Michigan, I think it is we're pretty nervy when it comes to the pass first, uh, run second quarterbacks. I'll take run first, pass second quarterback right now. Because uh, at the end of last year, what really really got Michigan, even though Felipe Franks somehow ended up being a pass-first guy against us. Uh, the pass-first guys just tore us up, just tore us up with crossing routes and, and spraying the ball deep, spraying the ball wide, uh, throwing the ball around. That, that makes me nervous seeing Tony Franklin's system, which is straight out of the Mike Leach you know, playbook. Um, I'm, that's going to be the part where I'm most anxious. However, uh, Michigan fans can attest uh, the defense has actually knocked out at least seven different teams starting quarterbacks uh, for at least part of the game in each of the last three years. Um, seven guys per season. So 
pretty smart move to maybe not start the guy who might end up starting later on down the year. Um, all right, Eric, the offense uh, sounds pretty prolific, at least has the chance to be prolific. Michigan fans just have to hope that the quarterback position doesn't hit anything big. Um, tell me about the defense. You got anything on, on that side of the ball there? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in Conference USA, there are a variety of offenses that you'll see. Um, 10 out of the 14 teams play some form of spread. But with that being said, you know, you take a team like Rice, who Mike Bloomgren comes from the Stanford coaching tree. And ironically enough, he's bringing back the fullback position. He actually is lining up in the eye. So you'll still see a variety of, of offenses right. in Conference USA. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we right. like that, even though we're getting rid of it this year. We, we like the fullback position here. Right. Right. But um, uh, here's some of the guys on defense that Michigan fans should pay attention to. And one of my favorite players covering this league is a guy, Reed Blankenship uh, at safety. I mean, just an all around stud. I know on paper, you don't necessarily want your safety to have 107 tackles. Uh, that also <laughs> means that that guys are guys are breaking to the second line of defense. Right. Yeah, okay. But not. But not only did Reed have 107 tackles, he's a guy who had four interceptions. Uh, I want to say he had double-digit tackles for loss. There's a game, and of course I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I'm not going to remember which game it was. I want to say it was FIU, but don't hold me to this. Uh, it might have been UTEP. Anyhow, there was a game that he had 17 tackles, wow. two, two interceptions, a sack, and a, a tackle and a half for a loss. Uh, the guy is just all around the ball, a playmaker. I mean, I, I, it, for my money, he's one of the best safeties in FBS football. I just, you know, I, I know he plays at Conference USA, and, and it's not necessarily the most respected or highest level of college football, but he's that athletic, and, and he's just got range. I mean, he's a legit 4-4-4-5 speed guy, so that's the guy who Michigan fans should pay attention to. Outside of that, here was kind of the big deal for Middle Tennessee State last year, right? They forced a ton of turnovers. Had uh, I want to say like 16 or 17 interceptions which should have led Conference USA. The major thing, though, was that they just couldn't get off the field at times at third down. Uh, and it's going to be intriguing to see how guys like DQ Thomas, Khalil Brooks, I did a Conference USA top 50 players uh, coming back for 2019 series over the offseason for Underdog Dynasty, and Khalil Brooks was in my top 30. I mean, he's a guy who can make plays. Uh, he can rush the passer. DQ Thomas as well had eight sacks. So you're going to get, you know, you know, you guys are familiar with Scott Schaefer. He, he tends to use that blitz-heavy package, so you're going to get a lot of blitzes from the linebackers as well. Malik Manseal is a guy who Rick Stockstill was very high on. If my memory serves me correct, Malik actually was one of the players who was there at Conference. USA Media Days, um, uh, along with Ty Lee. But yeah, Malik is a guy who, who Coach Stockdale's high on. But overall, the, the major thing is just going to be, for them, is going to be consistency. And they're going to be put to the test facing those Power 5 opponents early on in the year. Uh, Javante Moffitt is a guy who, I want to say he separated his shoulder. Uh, and, and once again, they had a ton of injuries against FIU. So it's, I know I keep sounding like a broken record against that. But Javante Moffitt back there at, at strong safety as well. So they've got talented guys. Now, talent in terms of something that can slow down Michigan, uh, the only guy who I think will, can really compete out there on the field will be uh, Reed Blankenship. Awesome. Okay, so, it sounds like your typical G5 defense. I, I'm excited for this weekend. You know, this is going to be Michigan's first chance to, to – flex their muscles in a legitimate spread offense, uh, at least uh, an RPO offense, at least I should say. Uh, you know, the whole speed and space thing uh, off the back of Josh Gaddis. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. So, so if you had to make a prediction, Eric, 
you know, I don't know how much you know about Michigan's team this year, uh, but if you're going to make a prediction for this Saturday, uh, what would you go with? Uh, what are you going to say? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, obviously I cover Conference USA, but yeah, I still like to keep on the Power Fives as well. And here's just the fact of the matter. I don't have to go in depth in terms of X's and O's and depth chart with Michigan. We just know on the surface they have more talent than Middle Tennessee State. It doesn't help that MTSU is coming off the graduation of arguably the best player in school history in Rick Stockstill's son, Brent Stockstill, who set numerous Conference USA records for passing and total yardage. And if you just go back and look at what Middle Tennessee State in 28 Middle Tennessee State did in 2018 against Power Five opponents, they lost to Vandy uh, 35 to seven and lost to Georgia 49 to seven. So if I was going to put a prediction on paper here, you lose your all-time leading passer, one of your best players in, in school history, at the quarterback position, arguably the most important position on the field. I'm thinking something like a three or four score game. Uh, I guess best case scenario would be like a 38 to 10, but I'm probably seeing something more of like a uh, 45, 14, uh, maybe 52, 14 in favor of the Wolverines. That makes sense. So, so quickly before I let you go, uh, Conference sure. USA guy, uh, is there are there any big matchups this weekend, big upsets that you think could happen? Uh, I know Lane Kiffin is going to Columbus, Ohio to play Ohio State. Um, if you could make that upset work for me, uh, we wouldn't complain. Um, is there, are there any other games that teams look out for this weekend, this year, I guess? Uh, anything about Conference USA you would like to talk about? Sure, yeah. So I mean, just you know, to answer your question about this weekend, in terms of upsets, that's really the only um, quote-unquote upset that you might see on the, on the Conference USA slate because of uh, the lot of, uh, excuse me, a lot of the other Conference USA teams are playing FCS opponents. I think the only other Conference mm -hmm. USA game that is uh, FBS versus FBS is the one I'll be at Thursday night, which is FIU and Tulane. Uh, uh, just uh, on the on the season uh, as a whole, we mm -hmm. at UDD, the game that we predicted might be a um, a a Power Five upset should be North Texas at California. And to be honest with you, I don't think that's that's much of an upset when you look at the state of Cal's program. Uh, North Texas, they went in and quite frankly got paid $1.5 million to just beat the bricks off of Arkansas last year. So that shouldn't be much of an issue. One that, you know, I guess if I really had to, you know, kind of give you something, a, a spicy hot take here, FIU, uh, they will be playing a neutral site game versus the University of Miami. And we had a chance to see what UM... Butch uh, Davis had, against Miami. Butch Davis against his former oh, team. Oh, that's beautiful. At, at, at Marlins Park, which for those of you who listen to this podcast might not know, Marlins Park is on the site where the old Orange Bowl was. So it, it's on the site where Butch Davis coached, you know, many games. Is this the first time they've played each other since the brawl, or have they continued it, the relationship? It, uh, it, it last last year was the first time they played each other since the brawl. So, so this will be the first time that they've played on those grounds since Ooh. the brawl. And that'll be interesting. But to bring it around to an upset, here's the deal. We all know that UM, UM being Miami, has struggled at the quarterback position for going on a decade and a half now. Uh, the defense is going to be legit. I think we saw that against Florida. But if they can't get the quarterback position right, and if FIU manages to fix their their uh, deficiency, which was the run defense last year, I genuinely think there's a chance that, you know, if the perfect storm happens, that could be an upset. Wow. Butch Davis was such a great college coach. Oh, just such an amazing college coach. And it seems like he's got FIU uh, heading in the right direction as well. Uh, they seem to be pretty hyped up. 
in terms of, as far as Conference USA goes. Uh, what, I guess last question about Conference USA. I know FA, FAU is FIU's big rival, so I'm sure you don't love talking about them. But has the Lane Kiffin train slowed down? Is he just comfortable in FAU? Is there any update? Do people think he's just gone uh, this time next year? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I mean, I don't mind talking about FIU. You know, uh, if if this were you know a UCF USF, then it might be a different oh, yeah, that's deal. Right, that's right. You know, but um, but no, I'm actually glad you asked that question, right? Because I had never met Lane until CUSA Media Days. You know, so everything I had heard about him was based on you know just that secondhand kind of uh, um, perception of him from his days at Oakland, days at USC. I'm telling you right now. This guy just looks like he couldn't be more comfortable, any more comfortable at FAU. To give you an example, he showed up to his coach's show uh, over the offseason, probably a couple months ago. He showed up on his boat. And I don't mean that in a cocky way, like, you know, Odell Beckham taking the boat out to Miami before the playoff game. I mean, he legit just, he lives on the water. He decided, hey, I don't feel like driving. I'm just going to pull up on the boat. You know, it's Boca Raton, so there are plenty of uh, uh, bars that are out right there on the, uh, on the river. Uh, on the water and he's just happy man you know he just seems like he's very comfortable just showing up in in a t-shirt and flip-flops and coaching football and here's the last example i'll give you to, to kind of tie this up for you um i remember when scott frost was in limbo about taking the nebraska job from ucf and one of the things that he enjoyed was that he could go to wawa and as someone who's a ucf grad there's a wawa that's right there on university boulevard he could go in there after the game and no one knew who he was he could grab his Wawa sandwich and go home and be unrecognized. <laughs> right. It's the it's the same thing with Lane Kiffin. I mean, there's so much going on in Boca in terms of people with money and they're enjoying yeah. their retirement. That's right. That's that, right. Trust, trust me, they're not you know concerned. It's not like Jim Harbaugh walking around Ann Arbor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think that's a major plus. And that's not to say, and Lane's a young guy. It's not to say that he might not go to the Power Five in four, five, six years. But he's not going to walk out the door tomorrow. I think there's a certain level of anonymity that he really enjoys being in Boca. And uh, his family seems to be enjoying Boca as well. It seems like it. It, it. it seems like the, at least the chatter about him just hopping to the next job has significantly slowed down in the past six, 12 months, uh, six months. Awesome, man. I, I like to hear that. That's good. Happy Lane is, is a good thing for football. Um, uh, hopefully it just continues the spicy tweets every once in a while. That'd be nice. Um, just a fun personality. We, we need all the fun personalities we can get. And Conference USA is really good at producing them more often than not, uh, especially on the offense side of the ball. All right, Eric, it's been more than a pleasure. I appreciate you joining me, uh, joining the MGo Fish show. Um, and hopefully we don't have to have you on again next week to talk about an upset. Um, except for, however, if, if Lane Kiffin does beat Ohio State, I will be calling you up to talk that game. We're going to definitely do it. We have to. Um, any Ohio State loss in our realm is a good loss. It's a fun loss. It is a loss to savor because it just doesn't happen near enough, uh, especially against Michigan for that matter. So we, we take all we can get. All right, Eric, um, let me plug your stuff again. Uh, what's your Twitter handle for people to follow you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. All right. And uh, he hosts a podcast uh, for Underdog Dynasty, part of SB Nation's blog. He also hosts the Shula Bull Pod, uh, which is a FIU, FAU uh, 
Rivalry Podcast. If you have any family members in South Florida, if you've got any retired grandparents in Boca Raton who are in college football, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, tell them to listen to it. It's on Five Reasons Sports. Um, and then, yeah, we'll let you go now. I appreciate it, Henry. Have a good one, man. No, no problem. Take it easy.